Unlock your Bible. Discover the true meaning of life. Learn the cause of world problems and the astounding solution. Prove for yourself what the future holds. In the Trumpet Literature Library, you will find answers to life's most important questions. Explore these vital titles on Trumpet Bookshelf. Welcome to Trumpet Bookshelf. I'm Grant Turgeon. We're broadcasting to you live today from the Herbert W. Armstrong College campus here in Edmond, Oklahoma. The concept of justice in the world today is completely upside down. We've been hearing so much, so many different cries for justice about a variety of different issues in the world. And yet, every example I can think of lately, it's totally a distorted vision of actual justice that is actually being asked for. For example, about a month ago during the Democratic National Convention here in America, there were some videos being played in between the different speakers. And at one point there was a video that was just basically laying out all the different policies that Democrats desire and that, you know, obviously uh, free college, free health care, things like that. And then one woman comes in there just totally unexpectedly and she says reproductive justice and she really had that almost angry hateful tone when she said that too and I really almost fell over when I heard that it's got to be one of the most inaccurate backwards phrases I've ever heard reproductive justice Obviously, that's speaking about abortion at any time for any reason. So that is literally the exact opposite of reproduction. No matter your thoughts on abortion, I think we can all agree that abortion does not lead to any reproduction whatsoever. So that part's wrong. And then... The term justice in reproductive justice is also completely wrong. Who is being brought to justice? Who is the criminal in that situation? And really, it's basically the unborn child being treated that way. Like the unborn child is receiving the death penalty, and that's supposedly justice. Reproductive justice, that's what people are crying for today. It's supposedly a hugely important issue to address. And yet, that has nothing at all to do with real justice. There's obviously a lot of different examples. Um, A few weeks ago, there was that shooting In Wisconsin, the police officer uh, shooting a black man. And then after that, there was a 17-year-old boy in the street who was, I think he was trying to paint paint over buildings that had been vandalized. He was there uh, working as a lifeguard in the town. And he was also there to protect some businesses. He also had a gun uh, on him and a first aid kit. There were... A lot of protests going on, and he was ready to help people who had been injured in any way. 
But at one point, a mob starts chasing him down, and he he shoots two of them dead and injures another. All three of them rushing at him, attempting to do him harm first. The one who was only injured was pointing a gun directly at him. And then there's all these calls for justice in that case. And that boy should just be imprisoned for life, apparently. But what is he supposed to do? Just take an execution in the street? Is he supposed to just lie down there and submit to being shot to death in the street? What would justice be in a situation like that? What else could have been done? Now, obviously, a lot of people shouldn't have been out on the streets that night. That's a totally different issue entirely. But what is he supposed to do in that actual situation? What does a call for justice regarding that situation actually entail? That everyone the left doesn't like should just be shot dead? Is that what we're looking for? Is that what justice means? Absolute insanity. And then another instance just this week where there was finally a ruling on a shooting by police in an apartment months ago, I believe it was, in Kentucky, and a black woman died in that situation. But her drug-dealing boyfriend had been shooting at the police first. So what are the police supposed to do in that situation? They had legally obtained a no-knock warrant, and they still tried to knock before entering. Finally, took advantage of the no-knock part of that when no one answered the door. They were fired at, they fired back, and the girlfriend died. Not the not the boyfriend who was doing the shooting. But what should the police have done differently in that situation? What would justice look like in that situation? How should those police officers be treated? What should be the end result for them? Should they have sat there and allowed themselves to get shot multiple times before finally firing back? It just really makes no sense. All these different cases where people are calling for justice. What does that even mean? It's absolutely ridiculous. And this is the case there in, in our legal system, too. A lot of people think that our legal system is broken. Uh, maybe they have different reasons for thinking that than I'm about to explain. But the legal system really is broken. That is true, just not in the way that a lot of people think it is. This is from an article titled, None Calls for Justice, from the February 1998 Philadelphia Trumpet, by Mr. Dennis Leap. Many working within our legal system have developed a deep sense of cynicism that our legal system cannot do its job, deliver justice. Neither can it deliver it quickly and at a reasonable cost. Our justice system has become excessively expensive, unresponsive, and overly cumbersome, weighted down by its own pomposity. 
There are many grassroots movements now crying out for legal reform. What has gone wrong with our legal system? And he goes on to talk about how so many different parts of the law are tens of thousands of pages long. He gives the example of federal tax laws, 36,000 pages. And he writes, laws are being written to cover every possible loophole. There's the phrase that laws are meant to be broken. And people do often search for any possible loophole, which makes it quite difficult for the lawmakers, doesn't it? When they know that no matter how clear their laws are, someone somewhere is going to find a way to get around them. That's just the, the prevailing mentality, and I think it's always been that way throughout history, not just today. So this is a legal system that really needs a lot of help, again, in, in ways different than what is being called for today. But James 4 verse 12 gives us an idea of where to turn for actual justice. James 4 verse 12. There is one lawgiver who is able to save and to destroy. Who are you that judges another? That's the apostle James writing there. And it is a good question. Who are we to judge? How do we really think we know what is best when our laws are tens of thousands of pages long, when clearly the system is failing over and over again. This article also brings out how easy it is for the criminals to be treated like victims. Does that sound familiar? Again, written back in 1998, when have the criminals ever been treated more like victims than today? And our system, our legal system, does allow for that. Again, just so many loopholes, so many strict requirements for how to treat murderers, for example, that they can walk if anything minuscule is done wrong. That's what Mr. Leap called the nightmarish anomaly, the criminal as victim. A nightmarish anomaly, totally defying all common sense and undermining all justice. Now, the reason I'm talking about justice today is that God has a plan to instill real, true justice throughout the entire world and not just on this planet but in the entire universe too in fact this part of God's master plan for mankind is being pictured this coming Monday on the holy day of atonement there is obviously a lot to talk about regarding atonement but I just wanted to focus on that one aspect today. Justice. Real justice. Not what people 
Call Justice. That's straight out of fantasy land, but real justice. God commands the eternal observance of the Holy Day of Atonement in Leviticus chapter 23. This is to be kept forever. That means forever. It's not just for the ancient Israelites. And it is a day that has so much meaning and significance to us. Did you know that the entire world has been kidnapped? Everyone in the world, the vast majority of all mankind, everyone outside of God's one true church has been and still is kidnapped. As so many subjects in the Bible, this one also goes straight back to the two trees. God made human beings to be free moral agents. We all have a choice. We have dozens, hundreds, thousands of choices to make every single day. And the first man and woman, Adam and Eve, had a really important choice to make very soon after they were just created. God taught them, and then it was Satan's chance to make his pitch. Adam and Eve had the understanding they needed to turn down Satan's offer, but they didn't have the power to resist Satan's temptations. These two trees, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, that's the one that God strictly forbade. And yet that's the one that Adam and Eve chose. You see, they had a choice. They weren't forced. God didn't lock them up and prevent them from talking to the serpent. They did have a choice. Satan lied to them. He said, you shall not surely die. That's Genesis 3, verse 4. Now, yes, the second that they ate from the tree of the knowledge of good and evil instead of the tree of life, they weren't going to drop dead. Satan knew that. But he also knew that Adam and Eve taking from the wrong tree would require the death penalty by somebody. And we know thousands of years later who paid that penalty. Who made it so that whenever we die physically, we can have another more real life, a spiritual life. None of that would be possible without Jesus Christ's sacrifice. The sacrifice required by this wrong choice back in the Garden of Eden. And just look at the way God responded to this wrong choice. Genesis 3, verse 23. Therefore the eternal God sent him forth from the Garden of Eden to till the ground from whence he was taken. Verse 24. So he drove out the man, and he placed at the east of the Garden of Eden cherubims and a flaming sword which turned every way to keep the way of the tree of life. So Adam and Eve, at first, 
did have a chance to choose God's way, to choose the tree of life, to choose obeying the Ten Commandments and actually enjoying happiness. They could have had peace. We wouldn't see endless war and bloodshed all around us today if Adam and Eve had made the right choice. But once they made that wrong choice, God kicked them out of the garden and they never could go back to take of that right tree. They couldn't offset their wrong choice by eating from the tree of life because God kicked them out and then he put angels there to make sure they never re-entered. And from that point on, for 6,000 years, human beings have been cut off from God. And no one, no one by themselves from that point forward has been able to choose to be free. God chooses the small amount of people today who can actually be free. Not even Jesus Christ himself can make that decision. Notice that. John 6, verse 44, Christ speaking. No man can come to me except the Father which has sent me draw him, and I will raise him up at the last day. So we can't choose to follow Christ. God has to actually call us to that point. He has to draw us in. He has to open our minds and make his truth make sense to us. Now, thankfully, if you're listening to KPCG now or going on Philadelphia Church of God websites like thetrumpet.com or pcg.church, there, there is a good chance for you. And God must be working with your mind right now in some way. And who knows how far that could go. But it wasn't your choice to have your mind opened up. None of us on our own would make that choice. Satan has actually blinded the minds of the whole world to the fact that they have been kidnapped. People have no idea that Satan is their master and that he's controlling them. He's controlling their minds, their thoughts, their emotions. Really, their lack of thoughts, that's a big issue. John 8, verse 44. You are of your father the devil, and the lusts of your father you will do. He was a murderer from the beginning and abode not in the truth, because there is no truth in him. When he speaks a lie, he speaks of his own, for he is a liar and the father of it. Murderer. Liar, very common problems in our world because human beings are copying him. He's their father. He's their leader. 2 Corinthians 4 verse 4 says, In whom the God of this world has blinded the minds of them which believe not, lest the light of the glorious gospel of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine unto them. See, people are blinded to this truth, the truth that you can hear from God's church today, from God's man. People are blinded to that, and the only way that can change 
is if God starts to open their minds. That's why there is no justice in the world. Satan is a murderer and a liar. He's the one in charge. And obviously, he's not going to care about true justice because that would be bad for him. If he, if he had to face true justice, he would be in a lot of trouble. Now, in fact, he is about to be in a lot of trouble. The time is coming very soon when Jesus Christ will return. And at that time, Satan will actually finally be held responsible. He will finally be brought to justice for all world suffering, for his rebellion, for the rebellion that he has caused among human beings. We all bear our own guilt, but Satan is also very guilty. We all are guilty. Satan is the one ultimately responsible, though. And thankfully, Jesus Christ bore our guilt for us when he was sacrificed. This is chapter 3 of the Pagan Holidays or God's Holy Days witch booklet. The late educator and theologian Herbert W. Armstrong wrote, Is there justice with God? Is not God a God of justice as well as of compassion and mercy? Who is the real author of our sins? The devil is the author of them, even as Christ is the author of our salvation. Jesus took our guilt, our blame, our sins upon himself as an innocent, substitutionary sacrifice. He was an innocent victim. He loved us and was willing to die for us. Our guilt, our sins were borne by him and him alone. And God forgives them when we repent and accept his sacrifice. And yet, is this, if we stop there, full justice? The real cause, the actual author of those sins was Satan the devil. Is it justice for Christ to bear guilt that is not his while the devil goes off scot-free? Do you not suppose God's great plan will finally work full justice by placing that original blame and guilt right where it belongs? This is just an incredible way of explaining the, the reason for rejoicing on the Day of Atonement. This holy day coming up on Monday. The fact that finally Satan will be held responsible. This is a day where we go without food and water for 24 hours from sunset Sunday night to sunset Monday night this year. Trying to draw closer to God, to become at one with God. At one meant atonement. And how much easier that will be when Satan is finally removed. It's difficult for us, even in God's church, to put away the distractions and the barriers that prevent us from being close enough to God. Even though we know better, 
because Satan is always there. He's always interfering. He's always broadcasting into our minds, as Ephesians 2 verse 2 shows. But what about after Christ's return when it's finally time for all the rest of mankind to know God? They'll have it quite a lot easier, actually. And we will see that here. This is Revelation chapter 18. This is right after Christ's return, and Satan will be dealt with. He will finally be removed. Actually, this is Revelation 20, verse 1. And I saw an angel come down from heaven, having the key of the bottomless pit and a great chain in his hand. And he laid hold on the dragon, that old serpent, which is the devil and Satan, and bound him a thousand years and cast him into the bottomless pit and shut him up and set a seal upon him that he should deceive the nations no more till the thousand years should be fulfilled. So that's Revelation 20, verses 1 through 3. And at the end there, it talks about him being released just shortly to go on one last quick rampage before he's locked away forever. So he'll be locked up for a thousand years throughout the entire world tomorrow when Christ rules the earth. No barriers in between Christ and everyone else. They'll finally have access. They finally won't be cut off from God anymore. And the ultimate irony will take place. This master kidnapper who has enslaved billions of people, around 50 billion throughout human history, will finally be the one enslaved. He will be imprisoned after imprisoning the rest of mankind. He will finally face what he has put other human, all human beings through. And that's something we can really be thankful for, his removal. The great divider, the accuser, the liar, the murderer, finally brought to justice. And that's the joy of this holy day of atonement. Thanks so much for listening today. I'm Grant Turgeon. This has been Trumpet Bookshelf. You've been listening to Trumpet Bookshelf. Please email your thoughts to comments at kpcg.fm. Listen for new episodes every Friday at 10 a.m. Central Time.